The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to discuss marketing in Africa. Joining us is Oti Ukabenje, who is the VP of Product Marketing and Growth at Tarragon Limited, which is Africa's leading data aggregation, enrichment, and activations company. Tarragon helps companies make intelligent decisions and build personal experiences for consumers, specifically in Africa. And today, Oti and I are going to discuss whether you should be expanding your targeting into Africa. All right, on with my conversation with Oti Ukabenje, VP of Product Marketing and Growth at Tarragon Limited. Oti, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you for having me, Ben. It's an honor to have you as a guest on the show. I am very excited. And just for the record, tell everybody where you are calling in from. I'm calling in from Lagos, Nigeria. It's about 10 p.m. right now. Okay, so you're in Nigeria. I'm assuming it's very hot there. It's very hot. So a warm part of the world, and honestly, a part of the world that I think probably gets overlooked by a lot of marketers. I know that being a U.S.-based marketer, being a content creator here in the United States, I think of the economies that we focus on as being primarily English-speaking countries, and that's probably not fair. There's a lot of people and a lot of business that's happening in Africa. So talk to me about why marketers should consider expanding their targeting into Africa. Well, there's a ton of reasons why that should happen. But before I would even scream that out, it's just important to look at it as the next best place to look at when you're trying to grow your business. A lot of businesses are probably either maxed out what is considered new growth opportunities in the US or in other developed markets, or the competition is very stiff. And you probably want to look at a place where there's a lot of untapped opportunities, over a billion people here in Africa. We're over 50% or 40% internet penetration here. It's a fresh, ripe market waiting to be tapped. It's interesting to hear not only how many people are in Africa. So, you know, you say there's over a billion people. And so that's more than twice the size of the United States. It's sort of in comparison to China or India in terms of market size. But the internet penetration is, for a mature market, relatively low, 40%. So you're looking at about an addressable market of, let's call it half a billion people. Now we're closer to the U.S. market size. 
one of the things that I think about when I think of marketing in Africa is lots of countries, lots of different languages. Talk to me about what are some of the key traits of marketing in the continent of Africa, because you know, we might think of it as a country in terms of, you know, its size. Obviously, that is ridiculous. It is not a country. It is a continent. But talk to me about the key characteristics of marketing in Africa. One key thing is what you have just mentioned. It is important to recognize that it is not a homogeneous market. There's a lot of fragmentation, difference in cultures, difference in economic situations, so definitely different ways will be required in how you approach the various countries. It's typically split into two. So you have sub-Saharan Africa and you have North Africa, which is usually grouped with the Middle East, so MENA and then SSA. And the core focus is usually on the SSA side of things. Within that group of over 46 countries, the way you would approach Nigeria is slightly different from the way you would approach South Africa, for example, which is probably one of the most mature markets in terms of digital penetration, digital exposure, and urbanization. So it's not a one silver bullet fix all situation. You really need to drill down into the various subsets and subcultures and subcharacteristics of the various countries in the continent. In Nigeria alone, you have six geopolitical zones. In each of these, you have over 700 languages. You have different characteristics of people how you deal with someone in the north is very different from how you deal with someone in the south or in the east or west of Nigeria alone. Picture that for the other countries across the continent. That's how fragmented it is. It's interesting to think about the geography of Africa and the regions that you mentioned are the sub-Saharan and northern African markets. You know, when I look at the map of Africa, I kind of bucket into like three or four different regions where you have Egypt, the Sudan, Ethiopia. You mentioned that that kind of gets grouped in with the Middle East there. I know that the dominant religion in those areas and in Morocco as well, I guess Algeria and Libya too, are the primarily Muslim religions. And I, I think that there's a cultural aspect to that as well. Then there is Morocco, which feels European, Tunisia probably put in that bucket as well. You have this group that's in the center, everything from Mali, Nigeria, Chad, the Sudan, I would call that Central Africa. And then I would have grouped everything below that as one larger region with South Africa being separate. So everything from Nigeria to Botswana. Now, look, I'm sure that I'm going to offend someone here with how I am grouping all of this together in the same way that if somebody said, well, everything in the United States between the coasts is all the same to me. They're probably all listening to country music and it's totally stereotyping. Excuse my ignorance. You know, when you think about how marketing is different and some of the primary characteristics and the economies are, am I close to grouping these things together? Am I totally off? It seems like breaking Africa into two groups, Sub-Saharan and Northern Africa, kind of misses out on some of the cultural nuances that some of the countries are culturally more similar than others. When you deal with maybe digital companies, so the likes of Facebook, Google, and all that, you're probably going to find that two-sided classification. But the moment you start to deal with physical goods, where it has to be delivered and consumed on ground, you would find a grouping that is a bit close to yours. So you would have the East African market, 
you would have the Siwa, which is Central West African, and then you have South African, and then you have North African. It sounds so much more articulate when you say it. <laughs> so there's the geographic segmentation. Talk to me about the economy in Africa. I think that's one of the reasons why most marketers, specifically here in the United States, don't prioritize Africa is they're thinking that the economies are so drastically different. You know, you can't charge U.S. prices for products and services in Africa because the dollar just carries enough weight that people don't have that type of disposable income. I'm sure there are pockets in Africa that have extreme wealth. I'm sure that there are pockets that have extreme poverty. When you're starting to think about expanding your products and services to sell to the African market, what are the markets that have the economy that enables people to have disposable income to buy products at a U.S. set of prices? Apart from, say, top ones like South Africa, I would say Egypt, Nigeria, which have very large GDPs, predominantly because of population and some level of advancement in market dynamics and all that. Majority of the countries would not be able to afford products at US rates. As a matter of fact, when I was thinking about why companies need to target Africa, one of the key points I was able to make out is the fact that you need to have the type of product or service where even if you have to tweak the price into suit emerging markets like what you find in Africa, you need the ability to tweak that without losing the essence or the core values of the products you are offering. That's a key requirement, right? Because you would not be able to replicate pricing here. So just to put some context to it, Nigeria, which is currently seen as the largest economy in Africa, is still considered one of the poorest countries in the world has the highest level of poverty with a good size of the population still living below a dollar a day. Even though income and purchasing power is very low, basic things like data, for example, is still quite expensive that cuts off the large portion of the population from access to things that can make them improve their life. So for example, across most African markets, you will still find the cost of one gigabyte of data anywhere between one to two dollars. That's probably twice what you would see in some other markets. So you find out that the market dynamics mean there is a perception of economic strength, but when you compare that to populations, it doesn't balance out. So the distribution is very, very imbalanced. A larger, more than 50% of the people will still be in abject poverty. And that sort of limits the size of addressable market that most organizations from the US and from developed markets can service with the same products in this market. It's interesting to me to think of not only the economic differences between more mature markets and some of the African markets. You mentioned that Nigeria might be one of the more mature markets, but it still struggles with a lot of people being in poverty. I think one of the things that scares people in more mature markets from marketing to Africa is that they don't understand some of the cultural differences. I can go to Paris, and obviously from California to Paris, the language is different, but culturally things are relatively similar. I can market an iPhone in California and Paris and probably not have to change the campaign all of that much. But if I start marketing a product or service in the Congo, I'm probably going to have to change positioning, messaging, a whole bunch of my marketing tactics as if I would in Northern California. 
Talk to me about how marketers need to consider and think about some of the cultural differences as they reflect on thinking about their positioning in marketing in Africa. So I think three key things, the educational levels, not more than half of the population in Africa is educated above secondary school level. There's still high percentage of low education. So when you need to address this entire market, you must recognize that there's only a certain level of education. That means you need to, in some cases, tweak content to suit the educational levels of the people that make up the continent. That's one. Then you also need to look at the economic situation of a lot of these people. So most people are pretty much bottom of the pyramid, just trying to get by. Less than 20% of the population or 30 will be considered proper middle class and above. So you definitely need to be cognizant of the economic levels of the people who you're trying to address to sort of communicate appropriately in a way that there will be clear benefits and there's some sense of affordability in what is being promoted. That doesn't take away the fact that it's a very aspirational continent. The consumers here are very, very aspirational because there's a general sense of tomorrow will be better than today. So that usually is a driver when considering messaging within this market. Then you would also look at the access to communication. It's predominantly offline. So when trying to communicate, you must take cognizance of the fact that not the entire population will be accessible digitally. So you must look at mediums, look at the channels you want to use to communicate to people just to ensure that you are addressing people in channels that they're able to receive that information. So I would say educational levels, income levels, and access to digital channels or access to platforms would affect how you're communicating to people across this continent. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. So it seems like there is a product class that would be a good fit to be targeted in the African market. And then there's some things that just aren't reasonably going to be accessible. 
I think I used to work for a laundry and dry cleaning delivery startup, a brand called Rinse.com. They would come pick up your dry cleaning and laundry. They charge you $7 for the pickup, charge you dry cleaning prices to clean your clothes. And I think they actually charge you for the drop off as well. And so that's basically a $15 service in exchange for somebody else doing your dry cleaning for you. That product expanding into the African market probably doesn't make sense. But when you think about different consumer goods, sort of more tangible physical products, e-commerce products, everybody needs shoes still. Everybody needs clothes. You know, there's a different type of products that make sense in Africa as opposed to the sort of digital commerce and let's call them luxury services that would be more prioritized in a developed market. When you think about businesses expanding into Africa, what are some of the examples that you've seen be successful and who's failed? I think across the markets within the continent, the problems tend to be quite similar. So transportation is a problem. Communication is a challenge. Payments and banking in general is a challenge. Education itself is a challenge. And then shopping, which is mostly offline, moving that online, I would say it's a developing need, not a core need, because we're still very, very big on traditional markets here. So that itself is growing. Entertainment largely presents huge opportunities. So I'll list out some key sectors that definitely able to succeed when they move into this market. First one I mentioned, transportation. So you have like the likes of Uber and Taxify, which is, I think it's called Bolt now. They've had successful entry into Sub-Saharan Africa. And it's led to the emergence of similar types of platforms or services in other markets. So ride hailing in general is something that has taken up pretty nicely here because of the challenges with modern transportation. So communication, that's a big one here. I would say the digital transformation that we have seen here in the last decade has been driven by the mobile operators. So they've come in. Most markets will now have a monopoly of three or four key mobile operators and then the rest moving heavily into broadband. Majority of them are not locally owned. So most of the telecom operators here are foreign organizations that have come in here to partner and set up shop. So that has been a huge success for most of them. And there's very few that I know have not been able to scale because even the process of getting in is quite difficult. But once you do, there's a lot of markets to unlock. Entertainment has been very big. So you have the likes of Netflix moving in heavily and gaining ground pretty quickly. I think recently Spotify also launched its African expansion. And I think that's pretty growing fast. The social media platforms have been very successful in this market. So the Facebooks and the rest, I think Facebook now is moving to have more physical presence within the market. In most cases, technology companies, Google, SaaS companies, the likes of Salesforce and Microsoft, a lot of these big tech basically have moved into the continent and are setting up shops across different markets and are doing pretty well. So tell me about the ones that have struggled. E-commerce, to a large extent, have struggled. That's because in most cases, they try to copy paste the typical e-commerce model you'll find in the US and other developed markets, but found out that infrastructural problems will not allow them scale here. So you've had to deal with the local nuances, for example, logistics and fulfillment, payment problems and consumer confidence issues when it comes to paying for stuff online. That has really hampered the growth of e-commerce to a very large extent. So there are very few guys like Rocket Internet 
Jumea, and a few other ones that are quite popular in South Africa. Apart from that, it's been difficult to scale e-commerce properly across the continent. So most e-commerce guys who, who have come in have failed. There was a time, I know a lot of comparison companies tried to set up shop, but the lack of e-commerce makes it difficult to scale comparison platforms. So all of them failed. Payment companies have done very well. It's a market that needs payment to be solved. So they have come in and gained success. Within that payment space, the guys who have tried to copy paste what you would find in the West stuff like QR codes and NFCs and all that, they have equally failed within a thriving industry like fintech because they couldn't adapt to what's really demanded in the market. So from a consumer goods perspective, I think most food and beverage companies that have come in here have done pretty well. I can't think of any that came in and failed woefully because they always tend to adapt to what the local market needs. Coca-Cola. Yeah. Because Coca-Cola works everywhere. Of course. I think, what's it called? Nando's, they're very popular in the UK. They came into Nigeria at some point and they couldn't meet with the demands of the local palate. So that failed. A few restaurant type QSRs and all that have attempted to come in, but those ones have struggled because obviously if you're not able to adapt the recipe to the local palate, then there's no point being in the market. So we've had such failures. I think pay TV guys have also tried to come in. So video on demand platforms, they couldn't quite get it right like Netflix. So some of those equally had to pull out as well. It's interesting to me to hear that the brands and the products that have come into Africa and been successful tend to be more infrastructure related, right? You're mentioning transportation, payments processing, just general connectivity and communications. It seems like, and this might seem like an obvious statement, as a relatively developing market, there's a lot of development still to do, right? And the products and services that I might think of as a commodity here in the United States, the infrastructure just purely isn't there. You know, an Amazon type delivery service for e-commerce. I would think that e-commerce brands would do great in Africa. There's a lot of people. There hasn't been a lot of focus in terms of marketing, but the logistics of the transportation and the trust of the people might not be there. So it seems like the brands that are best suited to focus on Africa are ones that are building the, let's call it foundational building blocks of a digital society, the internet connectivity, the payments processing, the communications, and that there's going to be a wave once there is more penetration from those brands into things like e-commerce, digital services, and a continued extension of entertainment as well. Absolutely. You're very spot on. So not much can happen when your product is considered a luxury. All right. Well, now that we've defined what brands are doing well in Africa, we're going to continue the conversation and talking a little bit more about marketing in Africa. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Oti Ukabenje, VP of Product Marketing and Growth at Tarragon Limited for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Oti and I are going to talk about CDPs and the lack of data in Africa. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about OT, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is OTLOX, O-T-I-L-O-X. Or you can visit his company's website, which is tarragongroup.com, T-E-R-R-A-G-O-N-G-R-O-U-P.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. 
You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.